Hi everybody, my name's Rye. I'm Riss. And this is Riss and Rye, and we're here to talk about our lives, how much we love Jesus, and hopefully encourage you through our story. Hi everyone. Hey. Hope, happy, happy new year. 2019 is finally upon we are us. We're in an uneven year. Yeah, which is a big deal to Carissa because she hates uneven numbers. <laughs> but this one will be a good uneven year because it's the year of we're going to get married. That's right. We are getting married. <laughs> Why don't you tell them a little bit about how our wedding planning, a.k.a. your wedding planning um, has journey been has been going? Well, it's very spirit-led. I think that's the best answer to really put it because I'm not your typical I'm not your average girl that has dreamt up their wedding since they were like five or something like that I always dreamt of um having a wedding to marry my future husband and having a family so I've been always excited about that part but not necessarily what that day would look like um so I wasn't as excited about it but it's coming along. I kind of just knew things would fall into place, whether it was on my timeline or not, and it did. The beginning of this year, we booked our venue, and it is actually... Oh. <laughs> What's that? I, I don't have a low voice, so I can't like scream like... <laughs> you don't have a high voice. <laughs> yeah, or a um, high-pitched voice, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so. Oh, jeez. Um, but yeah, so we ended up booking a barn, and I'm... I'm really looking forward to decorating that and just being in that type of environment for our wedding day because we were originally looking at like a hotel wedding and it would have still been nice. I just think that this barn is going to fit our like um, personality. Yeah, a lot better. Lifestyle. Even our families, I think. Our families are very like just chill. Yeah. Middle class. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. I'm really excited about that. We just didn't think a barn wedding was going to be realistic because a lot of those venues are... Playing on the fact that there's a trend right yeah. now to get married in a barn. So they're starting their rates at, what, $8,500 or ten grand or something insane. Well, yeah. Not I mean, starting there, but yeah. when you're said and done, it's easily fifteen to $20,000. And yeah. Ryan and I just didn't... We didn't want to spend, spend so much on one day, so... yeah. We've always talked about like it doesn't I mean everybody has a different vision for their wedding and mm-hmm. that's good but our vision specifically is set on like the reality that comes after your wedding yeah. and your honeymoon and actually doing life together. Yeah. Because one thing that really I guess stinks for the circumstances of our life now but we also know that it's blessing us is we don't live in the same space. Like I have my own apartment, she has her own apartment. And we're constantly back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not in each other's days every day. So, like, there's a lot of extra communication that has to happen to communicate plans and what's going on with our jobs and all these different things that, you know, normally if you're living in the same space, you don't have that barrier. Mm -hmm. So, um, But just like you said, it's also been such a blessing because it has forced us to learn those skills of communicating without 
having the convenience of communication in that way that whenever you know we do live together we'll already have some of those skill sets grown and we'll be able to grow them even more for when we have a family and that's going to be even more important yeah that's a great so point. i'm looking forward <clears throat> to that for sure i think that's really actually one of the one of the best things is that um this uncomfort uncomfortability of in, not living together yeah, yeah and, and, and somewhat of an inconvenience that might not make sense from a practical standpoint is actually growing us in ways that we wouldn't be able to grow mm-hmm. otherwise if we were together yeah. yeah so um you know at the end of the road whenever we do finally merge our bank accounts and come into one space together i think that it's going to be a burden lifted um not a stress yeah and i'm thankful for that you know because we will have uh gained the skills we will and we're always growing and we'll still have to continue to gain skills but um we're we're making a priority gain those skills before we're even stepping into the same place together which is a really big blessing in my eyes and i know it's in carissa's too certainly yeah our the other, other uh, yeah, the other <laughs> little news. mini update, which most of you already know because of our social media, account. obviously, and the stories and whatnot. But but we can talk a little bit more on it since we. Let's this tell is them the beautiful the story. thing about a podcast rather right. than writing things out. But yeah, so we got our little guy Arthur James, which <laughs> we did name him after James Arthur. We flipped the name. Um, because one, one of our favorite songs when we were getting really deep into our relationship was Say You Won't Let Go. And then also, uh, if you've ever watched Arthur the Aardvark on WQED in the morning <laughs> as a child, we were like, wow, he, he just looks like he's really smart. What is that W something? WQED. Is that it's like, like a, a channel around here? It's, yeah, it's a local channel. So maybe you wouldn't. Yeah. Arthur the Aardvark, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> So if you ever watched him growing up, you would understand, like, he's a smart, innocent, like, intelligent. Just, just, like, poised, too. And so Arthur was the same way whenever we finally were introduced to his personality and whatnot. So um, we named him. Well, Ryan actually thought of that name on our way home with Arthur. So that was really cool that you were inspired by that. Let's tell them how we met Arthur. Well, it was my idea to go to Petland, which, some backstory, since I've moved to college, I've been going to Petland regularly just to get my puppy fill. Any of the people from college, like my roommates, like if we went down to Robinson, which is just near Pittsburgh, we would go to Petland near Ikea. That was just the trip. (laughs) And so whenever I moved into this area for real, even after work, I've gone to Petland just to get my puppy fill, considering I have a family dog at home, but not close enough to home to go visit him. And so this was the same situation. Ryan and I were out toward Robinson area. I was driving, so I just drove to Petland without his knowledge. And when we got there, I was like, come on. And he was not for that. I he said multiple like, times, we are not, not going, going to Petland. Petland. We are not going to Petland. We are not but going we into Petland. But we went into Petland and with the full intention just to get a dog out, any dog out, and just get a puppy fill. So as soon as we walked in, it was a busy day. They had... 
so many associates there that day that we were immediately gre- greeted by one and asked if we wanted to get a dog out. So I just looked up at the first window, which if you've ever been there, there's two rows, a top and a bottom row of dogs. And I just picked out like a collie or something. And he was like, oh, I don't know if we can get him out, but I'll go check. They couldn't get that collie out. So he's like, oh, do you see any other dog you wanted to get out? So I looked over the window over on the top and saw Arthur because he looked like a golden doodle and Ryan and I always said when we moved in together we'd get a golden doodle so I just was like well we might as well try to you know see how this type of breed is or whatever and so we got him out and immediately obviously so 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 cute but he was really chill he just like kind of was calm in our arms and so we put it to the test. We were like, let's put him down and see if he'll play. So we put him down, and he immediately started playing with us too. But we had him out for what? Two hours. Well, before that. though, so I'm just saying, like, we had him out for, like, 45 minutes just playing with him. Um, and that's when they start to, like, give you some more information about the dog. And at that point, we were just acting interested. But we knew we were like we're not getting a dog we weren't going to get a dog until we started moving it until we started living together um but after those 45 minutes which then like ryan said turned into an hour we arthur won our hearts over and i don't know what it was about that day but and him but we just could not leave from him and then they brought out they were definitely selling to us because then they brought out this little package that we'd get with him and showed us everything that would come home it was a perfect starter kit you literally have everything in it you need to treats food um crate yeah the crate toys everything uh but yeah we ended up getting arthur then we went over to marshall's to get him a bed and we got stopped like 10 times just in there because of how cute he was and i put him in my jacket you know what the funniest thing about having a puppy is that everybody will just ignore you and they'll show all their interest in a puppy it's like i'm a human i have thoughts i have feelings emotions do you want to talk to me no let me just what's your puppy's name we all do it <laughs> yeah right and i just i don't know i just think that's interesting because we all love puppies more than we love people but yeah that's um, true yeah but yeah well even when he everything was just panning out to get him i remember he didn't go to the bathroom once when we had him out which any other time I had a dog out they at least peed while you had him out and we had him out for two hours and he didn't bark he didn't bite um he he just just played with the toys yeah he just hung out his personality was perfect um what else oh and then they told him that he would just he was only there for a week so that to me was a selling point because he didn't have any time to learn any bad habits or pick up anything or get attached to some of the other dogs yeah or anything like that. So, so that was a win Oh, and him... Oh, and if you don't know, Arthur is not a golden doodle. He's a poodle. Yeah, he's a miniature so poodle. That, uh, that also checked out for Ryan and I because Ryan and I are, are both allergic to dogs. Mm-hmm. And, but poodles are completely hypoallergenic. Usually you'd get like a dog mixed with a poodle to get somewhat of the hypoallergenic factors. But he is completely hypoallergenic and that's perfect for us. So... That was another selling point. There's just so much added up. Oh, and then he was born on 9-11, which I don't know why, but that to me was cool. And then it ended up being more significant than I thought because my grandpa passed away when I was a sophomore in 
college and he was the first person I ever lost that was close to me and now I've been learning more and more too how much he really has he did make an impact on my life and he apparently passed I didn't even realize it but he passed away on 9-11 of my sophomore year so Anyways, so it's just such a God-given who, gift. Like for Arthur all those James, who believe in reincarnation. Oh, jeez. No, I'm just kidding. No, but Arthur was such a God-given gift, yeah. and I'm just so thankful for it, even though it might not make sense on paper for what, you know, being we wanted to get a dog when we were lived together. And it is a little bit hard, because well, right now what, he's in joint custody. But it was, so for some reason, meant to be. But you know it's a blessing, too, is I, I look at it right now as... Um, you know, me personally, and I know Carissa personally, we've always felt like, uh, we were born to be parents. Yeah. And so, um, one thing that I'm noticing with having Arthur and I know you can't compare a puppy to a person, obviously puppies are more important than people, but (laughs) 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 as a joke, but, but, um, I'm, I'm learning that learning these, these things that I have to give up in myself to take care of Arthur. You know, he, he can't feed himself. Like sacrificing. Yeah. The sacrificing that you have to do with anything that you have to take care of. And I'm learning a lot of these different things that I have to do that sometimes I don't always want to do, but I have to do with Arthur. And so I look at it as right now, it's like, you know, God willing that we have children is preparing our hearts for these small minuscule tasks of being faithful to him that are actually allowing us to be selfless and building our our selflessness for children who we hope come one day so i think it is a it is a beautiful blessing and in a lot of ways does make sense in in the sense that we want to have a family one day and i think it is a, a beautiful preparation for that anyway so that's our little that's our little our mini update about our life. As he's sitting right beside us right now, we gave him a bone so he wouldn't Jump. try to no, so he wouldn't come and lay on the phone that we're recording off of because that's what he was doing before we started recording. Exactly. <laughs> he so, loves to be right up against you, no yes. matter where you are. He's but. very clingy. He's very loyal. He's very smart. Oh, and Actually, so in the first in the first two months of potty training, he already goes to the door, rings, rings the, bell the bell with his nose. Take him out. And, and he only and rings the bell when he actually has to go to the bathroom. Yep. Because, and I don't think he's that fond of being outside. He's kind of like a cat dog a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so. Where are we at? So, what? the last time we did a podcast was in a little tiny house in upstate New York. Oh, yeah. And um, I think we were talking about our adventure through the Finger Lakes. Did I give we, my testimony there? No, oh. you gave your testimony here. That was the podcast before. Oh, okay. But we never, the one thing that we told you we wanted to do yeah, was have you right. share your testimony. And then and we then were going to have yours. me share mine. So, I guess we were just going to jump on here and I was going to share a little bit about my story specifically and how it relates to um, my walk with Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I'll just jump right into it. And ultimately, the purpose of doing this, I know, in my life is specifically not to point to myself, but to point to what Jesus has done in my life and how important he is. Um, uh, supreme importance and the fact that um, we all are seeking this perfect relationship 
And essentially in my story, you'll see the underlying theme is that we all seek it in the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And we all seek it in other people. We seek it in who we hang out with. We seek it in um, what's fun at the, in the moment. We seek it in, you know, different types of things like drugs and sex and all these careers, um, yeah. even family. And underneath all that, it never seems to be enough. And what we're all looking for in all those things is Jesus. So just with that as a little prelude to my story. Well, um, why don't you tell them how, like, religion or Christianity or anything like that, that has been, like, where you were at with that growing yeah, up, I, I guess. Can, yeah, that's that's where I was going to start. Okay. So um, originally, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, you know, my parents went to church. They told me... Uh, about God, they told me about Jesus. They said they always used to said like you are so loved. Um, they would always tell me that to just pray about it or uh, make sure you say your prayers at night and stuff. So I had like this vague concept of God, and you know I I went through the motions a lot and I did everything um, that I was supposed to do that a Christian should do. Um, I would go to church with my parents. I would say hey yeah I believe in God. Um, you know, even young, being young, you get into arguments with people about believing in God, mm. you know, like, oh, why don't you believe in God, you know? And then you get pressed about questions. You're like, well, that's just how I've been raised, you know? And um, I don't know. I just had like a very vague relationship with the God of the universe. I, n- I never looked at it as a relationship. I looked at it as a religion, um, all the do's and don'ts. And so my whole life, I've kind of, I kind of was on this um, trajectory of okay God. this trajectory of don't smoke don't drink don't have sex before you're married um, be nice to your parents help out around the house uh, do all the right things and then you will finally inherit this amazing God that your parents always talk about so that was my goal in life was don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and then do these right things. And um, the more and more I try to do that, the more and more I found myself doing more of the wrong things that I was trying not to do. And, and I think a big reason for that was because anytime I did do the right thing, I never felt satisfied or fulfilled or I, th- I never saw a bigger purpose for it because I'd always see breakdown because of it. You know, people die in my family. Um, I feel lonely. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel um, worthless. I feel like I can never amount to anything. So, you know, why do all these good things if it's not making me feel better? And so it got to this point where I was like, screw it. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And I started to um, I think right around like middle school, getting into high school, um, I just started to do kind of like whatever I wanted. And so I went on this journey of trying to satisfy that hunger in my heart and that feeling of, of worthlessness, essentially. Um, and so, you know, I, I hit, had my first hit of marijuana. Um, I started to drink. I started to, um, you know, do different things that you would do that you're just trying to satisfy yourself. And so 
Um, and I was just looking for all these different pleasures in life, um, basically to the point where I was trying to get so much pleasure out of all these different things that I could get pleasure in nothing. And, um, you know, I, I had, I, you know, I didn't hang out with the most influential people. Um, I was just into some things that just weren't appropriate. And so eventually, you know, in college, it got to this point where like, I was just in a very dark place. I didn't feel, I felt even worthless than I did in high school. Um, I felt alone. I felt like the world was against me. Um, I just had a hard heart to the whole entire world. I mean, even my parents, I've pushed, I pushed away. I pushed out of the picture. I said, you know, you, you know nothing about me. You don't know where I'm at. You, you know nothing. And so, you know, I was just in a very dark place. And, um, you know, to the point where I got to a place where I did, you just, just don't want to live. You just don't want to live anymore. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in this, this, it's like a black hole. You know, you wake up, you don't have any joy. You go to sleep, you wonder why the you spent, with, yeah, you yeah. wonder why you even so, spent the day doing anything. Yeah. You know, what did it accomplish? And so you go to sleep, you wake up, no joy, you know? So you try to look for joy in all the different circumstances of the day, but then you find out the circumstances run out and you can no longer get any joy. So you go and do this repetitively every single day to the point where it's like, life is meaningless. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And so I was at that point and, um, just to fast forward a little bit through college of trying to get out of this dark place, um, I remember my mom telling me, like, at the name of Jesus, the devil has to flee. And I don't know why that stuck with me. I was not seeking God out at all during this time. I was not reading the Bible. I was not going to church. Um, I I just kind of, like, brushed it off. I don't need God in my life. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no meaning to this life. Like, it's not necessary. And um, for some reason that stuck in my head. And I just remember being in my uh, apartment one night at college and remembering my mom's telling me that. And I just remember breaking down crying. um, And I was just like, I'm so tired of feeling trapped, suffocated, enslaved, um, lonely, desperate, worthless. And so I just started saying the name Jesus over and over and over. Like I just kept saying his name. And um, I don't like I I don't know what happened in that moment, but I will say like there was a, a like a burden lifted off my shoulders. There was like this weight, some type of weight that felt like came off me, just saying his name, because before then I would never t- say the name Jesus or I would never talk about Jesus. I would talk about God. God. It's easy and to it's, talk about God. Yeah, and it's like a very vague concept. God yeah. But Thank God. yeah, like but even people, people who don't, say, even yeah. people who don't believe in God will say God, God yeah. right? But like when you bring up the name Jesus, like it, it, there was something that I like I was incapable of controlling that happened. Yeah, and so it nothing changed overnight by any means. Mm-mm. But in that moment, I still to this day um, use that moment to shoot down anybody who says. Um, God helps those who help themselves. Because in that moment, I did not do anything to help myself. 
I did everything against what God would have me do to live a life that's full. I, I did all the things that were for my own selfish desires and nothing of selflessness, nothing for others, nothing for love, nothing for companionship, nothing. So, but the thing was, is he still, in all of that, me turning my back over and over and over, reached down into my mess and gave me grace over my life and said, hey, I'm still your father and I still love you and I want to carry you in. And so, the... When I, it was the moment I experienced the grace of God that changed my life. It wasn't when I was trying not to drink. It wasn't when I wasn't trying to have sex. Mm-hmm. It wasn't when I was, wasn't trying to smoke marijuana. It wasn't when I was um, making money as a young kid working. You mm-hmm. know, like It was when I did nothing right, I was in despair, and God reached out into my mess that my life actually dramatically and drastically changed. And so I do believe that Jesus is in constant pursuit of our hearts no matter what's going on in our lives and that we do have the choice to turn to his better way of life um, every single day. And through that story, I also have learned that nobody is too far gone Mm -hmm. because honestly, I literally thought that I was too far gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I felt like there was nothing I could do to like earn God's favor after what I've done. There's nothing that I can do. Meanwhile, he came rushing in, pouring in, and showing me specifically the amazing love that he is wants to pour out over our lives every single day. Yeah. Ultimately, through his son, Jesus. And so, um, you know, like I said, nothing changed overnight. But like, you know, the next day, simply, you know, I asked my roommates, you know, hey, let's go bowling. Yeah. You know, and you think of like that isn't any a life changing thing by any means, but from where I was at, where I was in isolation, cut off from everybody, like to go bowling with a couple of my friends, like it felt amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I apologized to my parents, I apologized to my family, I um different things just happened uh in the mix of all that to lead me to a place where relationships started to come back into my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it, you know, it led to other things. And so in all of that, I really didn't feel like I was in control of anything. I felt literally led by the Spirit of God to go and do these small little minuscule things that you wouldn't deem as life-changing, but they absolutely changed my life. And so, you know, fast forward seven, eight years. And, you know, I get to sit here with a beautiful woman that I'm so thankful for, (laughs) who God has reached down into her life and changed her life through grace. Um, And we get to sit here, we get to talk about getting married, we get to um, pursue what we love and and what we've dreamed of. Um, We get to have a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus on a daily basis and know that he has his hand in everything we do in our lives. Yeah. Um, find so much peace and freedom in that. And we don't, we get to wake up and not have the desire for, um, like worldly uh, things. Yeah. And the, in the old life. Yeah. In our old lives. And we have a desire for what is new yeah. and what has been reborn. What do you, here's like something that came to mind when you were talking about that, which I'm so First of all, thankful that you shared your testimony because I know that you're more than willing to share it. 
Yeah. And you usually share with it with like one on one because it is pretty like personal intense. Yeah, but it's really it really is moving. I know like when you shared it with me too, when I didn't even know the Lord, it was a lot like, whoa, wow, how does this happen? Oh, Arthur's <laughs> jumping on our our device here. <laughs> anyway, um, but one thing that like I kind of think about, oh, he saw some bone. <laughs> one thing that I like kind of came to my head when you're talking is like, what do you say though to the people that might hear this and say like I want that but how do I get that whenever I'm surrounded by people that are going to maybe cast me out if I want to go down that route or won't accept me or won't support my decision in pursuing a life with Jesus yeah I know that's pretty heavy no that's an amazing question I think it's it's probably one of the most important questions you could ask someone who basically just kind of just told you all that Um, and someone who is stuck in that place, um, one, you like where you're afraid of what other people think about you because of your faith, Mm -hmm. right? So one, you have to turn to, um, the word of God first. And I know like with other friends, with myself, I've preached first Peter four. Um, if you read through that chapter of Peter, Mm -hmm. first Peter, it goes all through um, the persecution of uh, Christians and, and believing and that you're going to be um, insulted, you're going to be made fun of, you're going to be made to seem like a simpleton, um, like you're stupid. Um, all these different things that you know do actually play out in real life. God tells you that that's going to happen. and But he also says rejoice and know that you are blessed for your reward in heaven is great. And so um, if you can get past, the biggest thing is you have to get past. Acceptance of society. You have to get past um, human human recommendation. You have to get past human acceptance. You, the acceptance of mankind will let you down consistently through the span of your yeah. life. But... To know that you're even all even the acceptance of mankind is inconsistent. But even the acceptance of mankind and, and the acceptance of people, like it will always let you down, it will always waver. But whenever you already know that you're completely and unbelievably um cosmically accepted by the God of the universe, whenever you know that, then the acceptance of mankind is no longer important. And so you have to get to the point where you know that you're accepted already. And then the acceptance of mankind no longer becomes your objective in life. It becomes something that can be enjoyed and it can also be turned away from. Mm-hmm. So. That's really good. Um. The other thought I had was what was the difference of you in that moment versus the rest of your life, even though you were exposed to Jesus and God? Like, why do you think there was like a pivotal moment? I think um, the, the biggest thing was like 
experiencing grace instead of duty and works. Like before I was basing my, um, my knowledge of God on what I did right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead of now, I was basing it on the knowledge of who did everything perfect and why we um, exist in the first place is to worship our God. Yeah. Not to do right or wrong, but because of how beautiful he is, we will want to do right. You know, and I didn't have a concept of that. I was just thinking everything was about me and what I could do to fulfill myself. Mm-hmm. But the Christian life is exactly opposite of that. It's about losing yourself to losing yourself to gain yourself. And the only way you're, you have the power and the strength to do that is by looking at the man who did it himself perfectly right? Like Jesus came fully human, left his perfect and holy place with his father to die on a cross while we were still sinners. And so when you look at that and actually soak it in and take it in for what it really means, you actually find out that the story isn't about me at all. It's about God. It's Mm -hmm. about his perfect, um, his perfect love and his perfect grace and his perfect mercy and when you realize it's not about you, it actually takes the pressure off. Yeah, and it allows true. you to live in obedience freely mm-hmm. um, because you're no longer tiptoeing through life. You can live it confidently knowing where you're going yeah. after it. That's true. I feel like you, whenever you choose the path of your faith and what that looks like... Um, I feel like you have to really find that for yourself. Like, you do have to be the one to choose it, even if you grow up in a family that is all for the Lord. Um, I think that you have to really have that moment where you realize that's what you want, and you really do experience, like, grace, or you do experience, like, for me, personally, it it wasn't necessarily grace. It was more so the pursuit. Like, Jesus was in pursuit of my heart. And, like, that to me, even because the thing for me was I wanted to know God. And I I was exposed to God somewhat. And I wanted to know truly, though, who he was. And I had no way of understanding who he was until you introduced me to Jesus. And when I did understand who Jesus was, I needed to know that he was in pursuit of my heart. And when I had that experience it was very clear to me that he was my creator because he knew me better than anyone else, more than my parents, my sister, my friends, anyone, even any of my boyfriends, whatever. <laughs> like He was the only one who really understood me. Yeah. And I, I think it looks different for all of us, but that was what, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, I, I've, I know people have said, like, this is the book that told me who I was. Yeah. And uh, whatever you think, like, the Bible isn't just, like, another book. And one, it's definitely not a fantasy. Like, some no. people like to think it is. Like, it's historical fact. 100%. And um, you look at it, it's like, but it, it's God-breathed. Like, yeah. God br- breathed those words into existence. So we could confidently know the truth about this and life. And identity. And, and who we are. Yeah. And so, but we fight against it every single day. Yeah. You know, we try to get the bigger paycheck. 
we try to get the bigger do. house. Yeah. yeah, we're all doing mm-hmm. it. But it, isn't that the beautiful theme that you can see whenever you look at Jesus, that we're all chasing something that we can't fill in this life. Mm-hmm. And when you surrender to saying, okay, I know I can't fulfill it, I know I can't fill it, then it actually allows you to be filled in the way you need to be filled. It's true. That's kind of crazy to think about what yeah. is the truth. Yeah. And so when you take your hands off the wheel, when you take your hands off your life and stop trying so hard to saying, I need this, I need this, and then I'll be happy. This needs to go right. Yeah. Then you're finally free. Yeah. Because you know that no matter what in this life, there are going to be things that aren't fulfilled, that aren't going to be perfect, that are going to break down. But when you know that your future is in perfect unity with him and that you will receive everything that you could have possibly ever imagined then it's okay to let go of things in this life. Mm-hmm. And that's what allows you to cope. That's what gives you a living hope. That's what allows you to wake up and say, you know what, even though I have this disease, I can make it through today. Yeah. Even though I've been radically abused, I can make it through this day. Um, even though I've been betrayed by people who are very close to me, well, no matter what, nobody can take the truth of what Jesus has told me away. Yeah. So... I guess just in the bigger scheme of it, like we all, like you said, we all have our different ways of getting there, mm-hmm. but the truth never changes. Yeah. And that truth is woven through our human nature very vibrantly. Yeah. Um, and it's never changed. That's the one thing, like, like society changes. Yeah. But human nature has never changed. Yeah. And so you can't say, oh, the Bible's outdated. It, it, it doesn't understand our, our culture, our society. Well, one thing, like, culture was way worse than we are right yes. now yes. in the Bible, if you actually read it. And then the other thing, too, is you always see broken, messed up people trying to fulfill themselves with all these worldly things, um, just like we continue to do today. So my urge to everybody is, one, take your hands off your life. Yeah. Give up control. Because on the other end, of, on the other side of that, there's freedom. And uh, I guess the other one would be to take the Bible more seriously. To take the Word of God more seriously and to actually look at it in context and not to trust all these different people who say they know all this right. stuff about the Bible. Even on the Christian end. Yeah. Like... You have to go to it for yourself Mm -hmm. because God wants to speak to us personally and intimately for where we're actually at in our lives. But most importantly, before all of that, it just focus on building a relationship with Jesus and getting to know him. Right. What he did. His life here on earth was such a exemplatory way of how we should be living our life. Yeah. And... I've learned just in the two years I've been following him that there comes so much fruit from that and um, just, I don't know, freedom and ha- joy and happiness and peace. Everything that all of us want in this world is possible with Jesus. Yes. With. <laughs> with him. Yeah, but, but with that, yeah, um, we we could go on and on. We could go on and on about this stuff. And um, but Arthur has to probably go outside. Yeah, so we have to take <laughs> Arthur poop and pee real quick. Um, but with that, we'll say 
we do want to make it a goal to continue to communicate to you guys through this podcast. We want to make it a, a more of an effort in this new year to do this as consistent as we can. Um, maybe once a month, try to get on here and talk about mm-hmm. a topic or yeah. a theme. Um, but all in all, that's how I've come to kind of know Jesus. You, you've also seen how Carissa has come to know Jesus. Um, so we'll just continue to share with you guys. And um, while we embark on this new journey in 2019, um, our prayer for you is that you'll have peace and you'll have joy. And, um, you'll know the truth. And yeah, and about you'll come. your worth. Yeah, you'll know the truth about who you are and uh, whose you are, ultimately. Yeah. So, um, so peace out from Riss, Arthur, and Rye. Yeah, we got to <laughs> add his name in the mix. All right, guys. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your uh, month, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye.